This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. One of the big questions is what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer there. It is a highly speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go-to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories over the past seven days, giving you the information that you need to stay on top of the latest trends and developments. Plus, we'll share quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to crypto, we recommend starting with our early episodes where we break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand the crypto world. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. Let's dive in together and discover this exciting potential of crypto. In this week's episode, we have a lot to cover as we are recording our first show back in 2023 after a short break. We'll look first at what's happened in the crypto market before touching on the big stories over the last few weeks. My name's Tracy and I'm joined by my mates, as always, Blake and Craig. Hey guys, welcome back. First episode, how are we feeling? Great to be back, 2023, new year, new us, excited. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Feeling good, Trace. Um, it seems when we had a break, the market bounce, so maybe yes. we will be the curse that brings us back down, but we'll see. <laughs> Don't say that. We're meant to be starting positive. But, yeah, look, let, look, it is great to all be back together chatting about crypto on the podcast. And let's dive straight back into the market because we are enjoying a market high right now. And January is you know, looking really good. The the charts are green and at time of recording right now on the 31st, Bitcoin is up around 37% for the month and ETH not far behind at 30%. And this is one of the best Januaries in crypto history at the moment. But is this, boys, I'm putting it to you, what they call a bull trap? You know, I don't want to be negative, but what are your thoughts? Because this has been a great start to the year after a pretty dismal ending to last year where are we at boys what do you think well we we had a pretty big pullback i think 2022 was a uh, the whole year was a pullback (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, we retracted you know close to 80 percent there um bitcoin and ethereum and as a result we've had some relief in the market it was a much needed relief and you know as we've seen historically cryptocurrency follows these four-year market cycles uh, generally consisting of one year down one year sideways in two years of up now of course you know the history uh, the historical data may not be an indication of your know, future results but um, certainly it looks like it may be playing out that way again so uh, you know it's, it's great to see I actually forgot what the color green looked like for a bit but <laughs> we're not the, we're not the only asset class that's bounced though like all the tech stocks have bounced Tesla's finally bounced meta Amazon like all have announced layoffs which like they've all bounced on the back of so we're not the only ones and we are obviously Mm. still very correlated to the u.s market but like if you actually look back at last year like could it get any worse like ftx i think it was nine i think we had nine talking of bad bad months it was nine ten red months yeah so ten red months yeah 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 so everyone thinks that it could be a bull trap but 
you know, I've been DCing the whole time and I actually looked today before this episode, I said, oh, I wonder if I ever actually got three digit ETH and I actually did because I haven't even been looking at it. Yay. So, <laughs> just stay out the news. It's I've been I've been traveling, I've been doing some new hobbies, just getting out the weeds and just <laughs> waiting for the green and finally it's here. So, yeah. we'll see what happens well, next. Well, look, you did, you did call the bottom... Numerous, too many times to count, to be honest, Craig. You did ten times in a row, wasn't it? Ten oh months in a row. Oh my golly! And look, and we're here to give you guys um, the news, but also to give our opinions. And we and we we listen to a lot of different podcasts and news places ourselves. And I think most of them are calling the bottom of some description. But you, just because it's a bottom doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to go straight back up. I, I mean, I personally think that this year is going to be you know, a bit of a sideways year, um, a bit of, you know, what that would be called a rounded bottom, I guess, which is why it is important to dollar cost average into the market. What do they say? Zoom out? Is it, you got to, if, if in doubt, zoom out. That's it. If in doubt, zoom out. So, you know, a reminder there that dollar cost average, as Craig mentioned, is the best strategy. And that's why, you know, I'll spruik Bamboo again here, the app, because that's one of your best options. There's no need to time the market. You can simply, you know, put the app on and forget, you know, that way you're picking it up at different increments and there's no need to to worry and to have a look. But isn't it funny how, like, we're not near all-time high and, like, including all assets and everyone's still a little bit nervous whereas when we're at all-time high everyone's like steaming in in. yeah it's Mm. it's funny psychology like assets classes will reach all-time high potentially Mm. once again so like you know people love momentum you know people are happy to buy into momentum um, because it feels less risky and hopefully we're you're seeing the start of that at the moment guys Mm, but remember, it is crypto and we're going to see some swings. So hold on tight and ride it out. Let's see how it goes. So there you go, a bit of a market update. And we will give you market updates each week as we go. Let's move on. Now, it wouldn't be a crypto news podcast without us mentioning FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. So last year, we did keep you up to date with what was going on there. And we do need to bring you up to date again. So we will cover off where we're at with this story and what's gone on. I think when we finished up, he had just been arrested. And so let's give you an update on where we've got to now. Well, he is now back in the US where he is, he's pleaded not guilty in a Manhattan court. Now, among the charges are wire fraud, rather, conspiracy to commit fraud and money laundering. Now, we've spoken about it on the podcast. His parents are extremely influential. They have their own um, law firm, I believe. So, his parents and another undisclosed group put up bail, which was $250 million. One of the largest bail amounts ever set in history, by the way. That's crazy. Mm. So now Speaks he's volumes. a bit like me, Trace. He's back at his parents, um, which happens <laughs> to the best of us. Uh, yeah, look, and I think we're all kind of just starting to forget about this and get on with our lives and then, boom, something happens and he's back in the um, spotlight again. And on the 12th of January, my little sister's birthday, he did a tell-all Substack blog. And for those who don't understand Substack, that's... Um, it's like a blog like a blog site and you just write, yeah. You write, but then if you want to read more, you have to pay for a subscription. So oh, okay. So you, you can read the first one, then you have to pay for more. So basically, 
This is the first time he's he's gone on record speaking in depth um, since he's arrested, talking about the key points in, in what's happened. Did you read through that, Craig? Yeah, I did, and there's a lot to it. One of the things I laughed at, so he said if, if FTX could repay its customers if they rebooted today, so they could pay its customers, they've also said that FTX US is solvent. Mm. Now, he's literally just copy and pasted a Google Doc of, like, numbers, just saying, see, he's proof we're solvent. Like, Honestly. what is that? There's, like, no, like proof that that's even legit like anyone could do that anyway he's repeated for about the six millionth time that he had nothing to do and he had no idea what happened with Alameda which is very important with money laundering cases because if he pleads ignorance that means there's no intent so he stayed very consistent with that he's also said that he didn't steal funds or stash money away so I guess you all remember when the FTX got hacked in the back end of all of this um, he said he had nothing to do with that. Um, he also said that he didn't commingle funds, the real estate purchases with his 11-bedroom mansion, his billion-dollar loans that he loaned to himself was all not shady. And he also doesn't like the new CEO. He said it's ridiculous that the new CEO hasn't paid back the US users um, and they haven't made haven't yeah, been made whole yet. Yeah, so that's easy for him to say. That thought that he's been rich. he's been very mm-hmm. consistent the whole time with this. To be fair, yes, interesting. I thought that was really interesting what he said um, around not having any idea what's going on with Alameda because he was saying that he owned ninety percent of the company in late August last year when he sh- when he was sharing the f- the firm's financial with Forbes. He actually gave the documentation to Forbes to prove that he was a billionaire. So that's not going to look very good in court. Regardless, yeah, you just can't stay away from the public. But look, there's been some other news from the FTX exchange itself in the last fortnight as well, Blake. Yeah, John Ray, the the new appointed CEO of FTX, said on the 20th of January that he was open to restarting FTX um, Mm -hmm. in order to give customers funds back. And off the back of this, the FTT token jumped about 33%. Uh, so interesting to see if they go down that pathway uh, and you know how the structure of the different entities of FTX globally um, are tied together. Yeah, interesting. I don't know how many people would be really happy to see that. <laughs> would, you, would you go back to it, Trace? <laughs> no way. But look... Some more FTX news again as we round this out. Um, and that's this has happened in the last couple of days. They've released a 115-page document which contains the names of creditors owed money by FTX. In this list of list of creditors, it reveals a wide range of companies, including airlines, hotels, charities, banks, venture capital firms, media outlets. So all the all the regulars who were obviously owed money by FTX. Yeah, and the names of almost 10 million customers were not included in the document, so that's good. Mm. But yeah, as you said, Trace, the creditors like Apple, Netflix, Amazon, like how does that work? Are they just not paying their bill from them? Yep, well, that's it. I mean, they owed a lot of people money and, and some of these big names were were in there. How many How many Netflix accounts did they have? Well, I don't know. Were they, all, yeah. were they all sharing? Were they all sharing? But I mean, look, when this all hit the fan, wasn't there like some bar in Bahamas just around the corner where they were all going every night and like they'd racked up something like $300,000 in Mai Tais over the last three months or something? And they were like, bam, we're not getting that back. No, no way. Yeah, look, 
To round it out, though, for everybody, FTX and, and you know, the Sam Bankman-Fried, this news has definitely left, you know, a bad taste in everyone's mouth at the end of last year. But obviously, it's a new year and the markets have recovered pretty well, but this story will continue to kind of linger and play out over the over the next few months because a lot of people have been embroiled in, in, in this and you know as, as damaging as it was to the industry we can take away some positives around you know tightening security and people's risk appetite I mean I myself have made sure that I've you know have money on um, you know I like I said I had some on FTX that obviously moved it off in time but just a bit more careful on where you're holding your money and I think there's a bigger broader discussion around self-custody it's become a big discussion at the moment a lot of people talking about decentralised exchanges and there's a lot more of an onus now on you, the individual, to become wiser and more educated with how you store and where you invest your money. So any other takeaways from this, boys? Even though SPF was a media darling, was portrayed so positively by the big outlets, he still was ultimately responsible for $10 million customers losing their funds potentially 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 losing their potentially Mm. so i guess it shows that we've spoken highly of cz before but like i'm not trusting him you know (laughs) Um, and that's why and that's why crypto was made because it's a trustless Mm. Mm -hmm. asset class where you can be your own bank and that's the whole premise of it so actually what we haven't mentioned here, Blake, how much do, how, how much have they recovered? Isn't it something – how many billion have actually been recovered recently on FTX? I've seen different reports. Uh, I think they have about a $5 billion venture book. Mm. Um, I've also heard they've yes, found right. about $5 billion in customer assets. Um, so, you know, it could be the case that customers get most of their funds back. So it'd just be really interesting to you know, get a full picture on that once you know, the administration process is over um, and see you know, what the net difference is, how much, you know, that core management team did siphon off to themselves and um, what the deficit is. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm sure we'll be talking about it again in future episodes. Moving on to another story uh, that we need to mention from early this month that made waves in the crypto space. Did you guys hear the name Bizlato? Bizlato? (laughs) Yes, Bizlato. Let's go back a step. So this has been a bumper month for crypto charts, but there was a sharp little dip, and that was due to what we thought was going to be a major announcement from the US federal prosecutors that many thought would be targeting a big player in crypto. Tell us a bit more about this one, Craig. Yes, so on the 18th of Jan, the market started to panic around speculation of another FTX exchange-style implosion of a critical market player. And then the DOJ announced that it was Bitslato, and everyone was like, wait, who is Bitslato? I believe they were, were they a Russian exchange, Blake? I think they were uh, Hong Kong-based. I think, yeah, Russian owners, Hong Kong-based. Yeah, but they also had a presence in Europe as well, um, in France. So uh, apparently they, you know, this exchange was being used for money laundering uh, around the world. But, and of course, they ran into trouble and, and were shut down. So, yeah, uh, just another one bites the dust here, guys. Mm, and ever since this is sort of hot off the press, Binance has been obviously cooperating with officials. They've said that a lot of their users were have been blocked off Binance because of the Bits Lato investigation. Yeah, I um I read somewhere yesterday that Binance may have been um, instrumental in bringing them down. So apparently they they may have helped. Well, according the, to um, Reuters, it says 
that crypto giant Binance processed almost 350 million in Bitcoin for the Bitslato digital currency exchange. But that could be users. Yeah, wow. There you go. Bitslato. Yeah, many of these exchanges are interconnected. Many other exchanges tap in to Binance for liquidity and just have their own brand in the front end of the app. Um, so, you know, when when we see these headlines, Binance was processing Bitcoin transactions, um, I think we need to dig a little, yeah, dig a little bit deeper to see what's actually happening there. All right, two things to take away there is that obviously you're not going to go signing up to an exchange you've never heard of that's based out of Russia or Hong Kong called Bitslato. Do your research there. But also, if the fact that you can drop five percent in a few minutes which is what happened the other day because the doj is going to make an announcement to me shows the crypto market's still pretty scared you know it's running a bit spooked at the moment because of everything that's happened in you know in 2022 um so we're going to have a a pretty big hangover this year because we're going to see more like that um so yeah more headaches brewing i feel okay well look i think we'll take a break here and when we come back Uh, some more crypto-flavoured news from home here in Australia, and then we'll go on to our short, sharp news bites. We'll be back. There's been some big crypto news here on the sun-soaked Australian shores over the last few weeks, so let's get into a few of those stories. The first one certainly worth noting was on January the 19th when ANZ Bank announced it was launching a stable coin. This is big news. Blake, tell us about this development. Yeah, the NAB, the National Australia Bank, which is the second Australian bank to launch a stable coin on Ethereum, and they were looking at Algorand as well to to yeah. launch their token. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. they've they've minted a stable coin um, in order to do international settlements. Uh, you know, it's great to see that you know we're transitioning across to blockchain technology as a settlement layer um, more deeply into our financial system. Um, but I think it's also important to note that many of these banks are conducting you know what can be seen as anti-competitive behavior with your know, debanking crypto businesses every day um, while on the other hand promoting their own projects so you know very good yeah point. it's it's mm, definitely good, very good it's point. definitely a positive to see the adoption of the technology but a, a positive a negative um, in regards to you know um, maybe being a little bit anti-competitive there Very good point, very good point. So moving on to our next Aussie story, those who have watched any of the Australian Open tennis over the last month may have caught wind of their NFT project. Now, this isn't the first move into the space. You may recall us reporting on this last year on the podcast as they did something similar in NFTs. Well, they're back bigger and better for 2023. Craig, can you tell us about this story? Yeah, so last year, Tennis Australia launched a tennis-inspired NFT collection. It was around 6,700 ball artworks. Now, this year, they added on top of that with another 2,500. And the whole premise of it was pretty much you get access to the ground passes for the week, selected United Cup matches, and exclusive access to a site with behind-the-scenes footage. So cool to see how brands are utilizing the technology to bring more of a real life experience Mm. Mm. yeah and another really exciting development with this story is the announcement and partnership between tennis australia and long-term crypto educator 
the Collective Shift who have a great program that anybody uh, may be wanting to learn a little bit more about the fundamentals of cryptocurrency. And they've partnered with Tennis Australia to provide the NFT holders um, with education around what NFTs are, what crypto is, um, so people can can learn a bit more about the technology and utilize it to its full potential. So great job from the guys over at Collective Shift. Yeah, very cool. And and I think both of the collections sold out. Like they sold out really quickly last year and it sold out even quicker again this year. So it was really well publicized by Tennis Australia and everyone else involved. So well done. But the biggest news in Australia over the last month and the one that we are the most proud of, Bamboo has a new brand ambassador and he's the man of the hour right now, winner of this week's coveted Allen Border Medal for the best male cricketer in Australia, Mr Steve Smith. So if you didn't see it in our socials, if you don't follow Bamboo, if you don't keep up with it, if you haven't worked out by now through listening to the podcast that, um, you know, we are Bamboo, then yes, Steve Smith, Aussie cricketer, smudge as he is commonly referred to, is our new brand ambassador. And um, yeah, so boys, he came on the podcast with us, was it mid- middle of last year to talk about um, his NFT collection, his passion for crypto. And um, we'll, we'll link that episode actually in the show notes below. Go back and give it to uh, give it a listen. Bit of a friendship was formed and um, an ambassadorship was the result. Here at Bamboo, we believe that, you know, building an innings and investing into cryptocurrencies are very similar. You have to be patient and manage risk. um, And it's important to spend time in the middle. And that's really why we thought that Spithy would be um, a great brand ambassador for Bamboo. Um, And yeah, it's great to see him, you know, perform so well this season and be an advocate for our business. Craig, you and Elliot from our marketing team were lucky enough to go to the SCG and watch a match a couple of weeks ago. It was a one where he hit his second ton. So how special was that? Yeah, it was pretty insane. He hit like 120-something and he was just hitting the ball all over the park and it was just good to hang out with um, Woz, who's his agent, and just have a couple of beers and just watch Steve do his thing from... Watch the magic. Watch the magic. Um, it was great. So... Thank you very much, Trace. He's a bit of a legend, old Steve. And for look, for those cricket fans out there who are not yet users of that, you can enter the code SMITH when you download the app for $15 of free Ethereum when you sign up. But that's enough cricket talk for now, aside to say that we are looking forward to watching Smithy in India and the UK over the next few months and go the Scorchers this Saturday in the BBL Finals. Okay, let's move on now to the short, sharp news bites, which seem to be everyone's favourites. So I will pass over to Blake. You can do the honours this week. First, off you go. Yeah, uh, the world's largest retailer is launching a digital asset enterprise with an NFT initiative expected in the spring. Um, So Amazon has been exploring partnerships with the power players in the industry, including Layer 1 blockchains, Uh, gaming startups and developers in digital asset exchanges Uh, so yeah everyone wants a piece of the pie here another retailer getting into selling uh, selling nfts so we'll see how this one goes Um, everyone's going to try and give it a crack so uh, maybe amazon can can get some volume but overall it's great promotion for the sector um, and i'm sure uh, we'll make some headwinds uh, in one direction or another. Cool. And for me, I'm quite happy about this. The Premier League, which is football league in England, has inked a deal with digital trading card NFT platform So Rare. 
So they've been considering bringing NFTs on for a while and they've finally come to the party. As you know, NBA and a bunch of American sports are already offering it. So So Rare is pretty much a um, free-to-play competition that allows its users to compete by collecting soccer players in the form of non-fungible tokens. So I'm assuming if you collect like a, a player that from this year who's a rookie who turns out to win the Premier League Player of the Year, they could then sell them for for money so really keen to see how this goes i might even jump in and have a play around with it i thought you might does that mean that it's like so it's similar to top shops then hey um yeah so similar um but i think this is going to be key because all of the clubs in the premier league like it's a it's a deal with the actual league so every club will be a part of it whereas with some of the other ones that we saw it was just at the club level so this one's going to have the whole league which is pretty exciting Big news. All right, cool. Moving on, this is quite interesting as well. California's Department of Motor Vehicle Licensing will test out Tezo's blockchain to issue its car titles as NFTs. So this has really been talked about. It's a, it's a great use case of the blockchain and its tech to verify the credentials uh, on-chain. So this is going to be a really interesting one to watch out for and I, I dare say, you know, it's uh, if it works well, it's something that, you know, other, other areas will pick up quite easily. So you'll just have your... Your license, um, you know, as part of as part of the blockchain. So we'll see how that one goes. Watching all eyes on California. Uh, next up, um, Consensus, who is a major player in the ecosystem. The found, I don't know if we've spoken about this on the show, but the founder of Consensus, Joe Lubin, he um, was one of the founders of Ethereum. He you know, is part of a group that owns Consensus, and one of their products is MetaMask that many of us use day to day or week to week. And they are launching ETH staking. They announced that uh, they've partnered with Lido and Rocketpool, who provide liquid staking options for Ethereum, which basically means that you can stake your Ethereum and you don't need 32 Ethereum, which is the threshold. They basically pull your Ethereum with other people's Ethereum and allow you to stake and unstake at your own leisure. Um, so this is a massive win for people in the sector because it makes it very easy. You don't have to go through the burden of using um, MetaMask and then another platform in order to stake your Ethereum. You can do it at a, at a one-stop shop, integrated into the into the web app. So yeah, I think that they're going to see millions, if not tens of millions, of users um, utilizing this service. This could be bad for ETH. This coming story, not really though. My favorite, the Pudgy Penguins and Doodles, are now seeking alternatives to Ethereum. Now, what this means is that they're going to start listing their NFTs for sale on different layer ones, stuff like Arbitrum, Polygon, and Binance. Now, the reason would be just breaking down the barriers for people. So, as you know, a high gas time of Ethereum costs like $200 to to get a transaction through. So, the Pudgies are preparing for this and launching, you know, their collection across the cheaper blockchains where it's going to cost you a cent rather than um, Mm. $15. So, um really good. Yeah, and I think this is a great thing for the sector because it gives new communities access to assets that, you know, they wouldn't have free Absolutely. The, 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 what am I trying to say? They, they wouldn't be as easy to acquire um, but also creates competition you know, uh, and this is important in our sector. Yeah, agree absolutely. Next up, we've got well-known tech entrepreneur and Web3 startup hero, Kevin Rose. He's just lost 
1000F to an invisible gasless drainer attack. So this one happened yesterday, or at least was out public yesterday. So a gasless drainer attack is a type of phishing scam in which attackers use fake websites to trick victims into providing their signatures. And these signatures are used to purchase the victim's NFTs for zero F. So, you know, even the best who've been in the industry for a long, long time, who I'm sure had all the precautions taken, you know, there's still every day a new scam out there that's that's trying a different angle to get at you. And unfortunately, he's fallen victim. And I looked into this a little bit further and it looks like the best way to stay protected from these gasless drainer attacks is you can use revoke.cash after selling your NFTs and always avoid signing anything you're unsure about, which is how I lost a few of my really good ones last year, which was gut-wrenching. And watch out for keywords uh, offers, um, keywords like offer and item type in signatures, uh, which may trigger a sale. So uh, there you go. Stay safe, everybody. Mm. Yeah, and our final uh, news bite here is that SushiSwap, one of the world's largest decentralized exchanges, is expanding into non-Ethereum ecosystems, uh, and they're launching, you know, derivatives um, product for perpetual futures uh, on the C network. Is Psi network? SEI. Yeah. I don't know. Let's go with Psi. Psi. SEI. There you go, folks. SEI. And there are there are derivatives decentralized trading platform um so yeah this just makes sense you know sushi swap um creating new products uh, it wouldn't even surprise me if they go into other chains as well so yeah uh, it's great to see them uh, pushing the pushing out and expanding into new areas and there you go folks that is our short sharp news bite which ends our first episode back for 2023 well done <laughs> And look, a shout out to all of our pals in the Crypto Curious Facebook group who stayed active over the break. Uh, feel free to join us in there for a chat and reach out to us via email at podcast at getbamboo.io and follow us on social media. But before we go, we've got a little bit of housekeeping from our mates at Equity Mates. And they are wanting everyone to know that FinFest, which we spoke about very highly, that happened last year, late last year, is back and locked in this year for November the 11th. Okay, so November 11th this year in Sydney. Uh, ticket information and speaker information will be announced later in the year. Uh, but sign-ups are and registration lists are and early bird tickets uh, will all be out soon. So keep an eye out for that, but please put it in your diary. FinFest later this year, November the 11th. There's also a survey out at the moment by Equity Mates. So jump on to wherever you're looking at your Equity Mates details, social media or the website and check out their survey, which would be, which I think is around till the end of February. There you go, guys. We're really happy to be back uh, for 2023, bringing the news and updates. Signing off from us, boys. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone. See you, guys. Yep, see you later. See you next week. Bye. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. 
This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have physicians in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.